You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so best kids ever. Not just talking about your kids if you're raising kids. Some of you you know, many of you aren't raising kids in your family. When I say kids, I'm talking about, you know, anything pre-adult, you know, uh, teens, kids, elementary school, preschool, whatever, you know, if you've got kids. But a lot of you, you don't have kids. You don't have kids yet. Some of you don't ever plan to have kids or whatever. Okay, but I'm still talking to you. I'm talking to people who have kids right now, and some of you, you've already raised your kids. You think you're done. No, that means you're probably or a grandparent, or getting close to it if yours are raised. So we're talking about ki- raising kids, grandkids, whether you're a parent, grandparent, aunt, and uncles, or family, other family members in some way related, uh, and you're helping raise kids, or even just being a member of society, and definitely being a member at Church 2911. Because we have, we have pre-adults in, in our church. Some of them are kids right across the hall there in our kids' church area. Some of them are teenagers sitting right here with us. We need to be, we need to be also conscientious of the responsibility that God has given us to raise kids. L- listen, I want to raise the best kids ever. And I'm not just talking about, you know, my kids are adults. My two, they're adults. They're married, you know, and, and they're married to adults, right? You know, I've got grandkids. So I'm not just talking about my kids, I'm talking about my grandkids. But I'm not just talking about my grandkids. I'm talking about those kids, and I'm talking about the teens in the room with us right now. I want to raise the best kids ever, talking about all of those, because this is my responsibility. These are the ones that God has put me in connection with, and I I want to raise the best kids ever. So all of us, it it may sound a lot of times this morning like I'm talking just to parents, but I want you to relate that. You've got to connect the dots. You've got to read between the lines. I want you to connect that with all of the kids that God has put in your life, regardless of what the connection is, and realize that we have the responsibility, and we should have the desire and passion to want to raise the best kids ever. Okay, so, so first of all, how do we quantify what that means? You know, what, what are we going to use to gauge this, you know, to gauge what is a good kid, a great kid? Because some people would say it's about accomplishments, right? How many trophies you got on the mantle back home? Or how many accomplishments, you know, what your GPA is when you graduate high school? Or maybe uh, how many scholarship offers you got for college, those kinds of things. And, and, and that, that's what a lot of people use. But others say, you know, their kids are great athletes, and they're raising the best athlete ever, you know, and there's, there's a lot of ways we could quantify this, you know, or maybe having, uh, having kids that just loved other people, or kids that never got in trouble. I mean, you know, uh, you know one, one good thing to hope for is that you raise a kid that never spends a night in jail, you know, as a kid, teen, or, or even as an adult, right? I mean, that would be, that'd be a great thing to have as a goal as well. What if we could find something, though, that a gauge of, of a kid being a great kid. What if we could find something that would encompass all of that and even more? Because if we just pick one thing, then we're raising the best athlete ever or we're raising the best, the best scholar ever, you know, like that. But what if we could find something that would pull all of those things together? And you know that the way I'm setting this up, I've got something in mind, right? 
you know, I'm not going to take, this isn't up for a vote here in the next few minutes. I've got something in mind. But I've laid it out this way because I want you to see something. Because here's the thing, here's the thing that I think we need to use. If we're going to, to gauge what is a, a best kid ever, if we're raising best kids, what is it that we're going for? The thing I think we need to be using is, is how well our kids follow Jesus. Okay, now, now listen. Here, here's why I set it up that way. Because some people might say, you know, if you're a non-Christian or if you're just kind of uh, barely in there just still trying to figure it out, you say, well, yeah, I guess all you Christians, that's the way you feel about it. We should raise them to, to follow Jesus really, really well. No, but I want you to get this. It's when we raise kids who follow Jesus, it encompasses all of that, all of those things. Like, for instance, his dream for their life. If they're following after Jesus, they're chasing after the dream he has for their life. And I know some of you say, well, I, I want my kid to graduate and go to college. And die. Jesus does too. His dream isn't that your kid bring home D's. Amen. I mean, Jesus' dream for your kid's life is that they're successful. He wants them to be. Or, or some of you say, my kid's athletic. Well, guess what? Jesus wants your kid to excel at athletics too. Whatever it is that your kid is gifted to do, Jesus put that inside of them, and he wants them to excel at that. You know, it doesn't matter if, they're, if they grow up to be an engineer, you know, a CPA, a, or, or first responder, whatever it is in their life that they end up doing, God wants them to be the very best at that that they can be. So, so having them follow well after Jesus means that they're going to excel in those kinds of things. Or like uh, if they're following after Jesus, they're also following his love for others. I mean, we want our kids to treat other people well, right? We want them, we want them to, 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 you know, not be the bullies. We don't want them to grow up and be the subject of some made-for-TV movie, right? You know, I, I mean, we want them to love other people. Well, guess what? If we teach them to follow Jesus, we're teaching them to love others the way Jesus did. We're teaching them about justice and mercy. And those are two big buzz, buzzwords in our culture today. And some people talk like they believe that they came up with this. Like this generation has come up with this. this, this time of our, of our life, of humanity, that we've come up with this. But man, this goes way back into the Old Testament where, where God says that he loves justice and mercy. So if, if we're raising kids to follow after Jesus, then they're going to love justice and mercy uh, and honesty and integrity. We want our kids to be honest. We don't want them to be liars and everybody know that they're liars or cheats, Right? We don't want them to be that. We don't want them to spend their lives in and out of jail. We don't want that. Well, guess what? If we're raising them to follow Jesus, they're going to be people of honesty and integrity if they're really following after Jesus and reliance on Jesus. I could have left that last little bit out, but I want you to, under, I want you to really get that. Is that when they're relying upon Jesus, they're not relying on everything else to get them through their day. So, so we, we don't want to raise drug addicts, right? We don't want to raise kids to grow up and be alcoholics. Well, if we raise them to fully rely on Jesus, if we raise them to follow after Christ, then they're not going to be chasing after all that stuff because of that. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes as well. So see, this, to me, this is the gauge. This is the quantifier. This is the thing that, that we should all use to, to, to think about. You know, how, how can we tell if we're raising good kids, if we're doing the right thing and raising great kids? Because all of those things... You know, because, I mean, if we took a poll, we'd have a whole lot of stuff, right? But all of the stuff that you say today that you want to see in your kids, you'll find it if you raise them to follow Jesus well. 
So that's the theme today in this message about best kids ever. Next slide. This is the theme today, raising kids who love Jesus. We need to be raised. If, if we want to raise the best kids ever as a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, as a church, if we want to raise the best kids ever, we need to raise kids who love Jesus. So that's, what, that's, that's the theme. And, and so for the rest of this message, I want to talk to you about how we do that, okay? Now, first of all, let me point something out to you here. There's a, again, here's one of those things that we're going to hurry through it, but it's, on the, it's in my sermon notes online if you want this poem. But there's a poem. I know some of us, we don't call it poems because it doesn't rhyme. The words at the end of the, you know, it doesn't rhyme. So, but it's kind of like a poem. And some of you have seen this before, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but it's there if you want it, or, or you can Google it and find it real quick. But it says, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. You, you, you've seen this before or heard this before. I mean, I've used it a lot in the past. It's been around a while. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. Jump down. If children live with jealousy, they learn to feel envy. If, if children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. At the bottom, if children live with praise, they learn appreciation. Okay, those, those things, okay, yeah, that, that's probably right. Ne next, next slide, because it's, it's a long little thing here. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If they live with approval, they learn to like themselves. Jump on down. If, if children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those about them. If children live with friendliness, they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. Dorothy Law Nolte wrote this. And uh, as I was looking for this, uh, getting ready for this sermon, I thought, I'm going to throw this in here right before Scripture. Because um, I, I, want, I wanted to point something out to you, and as, as I was looking for it, I ran across, I ran across one person who, who posted this, and they posted this as a, and it was a thing of freedom from religion. And what they were saying was, we don't need the Bible, we don't need all this God and Christianity stuff, because we've already got it figured out, there it is right there. You know, if we'll just do our kid, you know, and I thought, you know, here's what I thought when I, when I saw that, that's what this guy was using it in this way. I thought, how ignorant it's because what he doesn't realize is that is scriptural. The, and the, the rest of this message, there, there is scripture after scripture after scripture that's in my sermon notes online, okay, to, to, to back up everything I wanna, I'm going to share with you in the last few minutes of this message, okay? But every, everything, everything she's writing there is scriptural. Like, like look at the, here in the middle of it, right in the middle of this part. If children live with sharing, they learn generosity. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. It, truthfulness. If children live with fairness, they learn justice, right? Let me, let me give you a scripture right here. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is exactly what she was writing. She's just elaborated on what God said 2,700 years ago. That if you train a child in this way, this is what they'll get. You give them this, they'll get this. You give them this, they'll get this. Good or bad? You give them good stuff, they're going to get something good. You give them bad stuff, there's some bad stuff going to grow up in that kid. That's all she's doing. So this is, this is not something we've figured out. This is something God, and, and I say all this to you in this setup of this whole message because I want you to understand this. If we're going to raise the best kids ever, there is no greater manual than the Word of God that we've been given that explains to us how to do these things. Okay? So, so let's talk about two things, two ways, two things. There's Two things, that doesn't mean it's going to be quick, but, but I'm going to go real quick here, okay? So put your, put your seatbelt on, all right? <clears throat> Two ways to raise kids who love Jesus. The first one is help them embrace their place in the body of Christ. Now that I say, you know, embrace your kid's place in the body of Christ. You help them do it, but you have to do it also. 
Embrace their place in the body of Christ. Don't work against their place in the body of Christ. Work them into their place in the body of Christ. Okay, so here's a few things. First of all, begin early. All right? Now, that scripture right there, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, 22, is when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to present him to the Lord, similar to what we did here today. They did it when he was 40 days old. Now, some of you are sitting here and you say, well, my kid's 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, 12, 15 years old. Now, I haven't done this. You're saying begin early. It's too late for me to begin. You know what? It may be too late for you to begin really, really early, but you can never begin any earlier than today. I mean, if you've waited until today, start today. Because this is, if, if you hadn't done it yet, this is the earliest you can start. So start right now, okay? Begin early. And here's what you need to do, to embrace their place. Help them discover, first of all, their passions, their gifts. Help them to, to discover their little niche, their, their forte, what they're good at. Even at a young age, you can figure those kinds of things out. And some people think, well, that's not, that's not really a Christian thing. Yes, it is, because God is the one who put those gifts and passions inside of them. So, so help them discover them at an early age. Pay attention. Turn, turn your, you know, your eyes open to them and see the things that are, that are, that are touching them and, and figure out what's going on in their life and, and what, what motivates them. Help them figure those things out. And then introduce them to serving, okay? Uh, because the body of Christ is about serving, not just being served. Introduce them to serving, Show them how to serve. And, and I know some people are like, well, my kid hasn't expressed any interest in that yet. So I'm like, well, they're not expressing any interest in it because they've never seen it. You're the parent. You're the adult. Lead. Show them. And when you show them, I mean, I've been amazed, I think, with my kids, but I think even more so with my grandkids, I've been amazed at the tenderness of their hearts when they finally see something and it, gra and it grabs their heart, you know, and they want to do something about it. Introduce them to serving at an early age. You're, you're the parent. Lead them into that. And, and, and find age-appropriate serve opportunities. Okay, what I'm saying is don't take your six-year-old downtown Birmingham in the middle of the night to feed the homeless, okay? Find age-appropriate serve opportunities. Okay? You can do it, you know, if God leads you to do it. But age-appropriate serve opportunities, little things, handing out water bottles, or little things, give them age, raising, raising money for Native Americans, you know, find, find, them, uh, find them some age-appropriate serve opportunities to embrace their place. I mean, because here's the thing. If you want them to have a, an everlasting, long-term relationship with Jesus Christ, they have to find their place in his body and connect with it. So embrace that, Mom. Embrace that, Dad, grandparents, and everybody else, okay? Here's the second thing, model. You have to model it, okay? Um, that scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 6, didn't say tell them what to do, and when they get old, they'll do it. That ain't what it said. It didn't say make them do what they should do, and when they get older, do it. It said train them. You know what training is? It's, it's, it's like modeling. Don't get in there and do it for them. Some people are that way, but most of us are like sitting back. Go do that. Go do that. You, you need to do it that way. Training them is modeling it before. Don't do it for them. Don't tell them to do it, but do it with them. Model it. Show it. Let me, let, me, let me show you here. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is said several times in the Old Testament. Early on in the Bible, God starts talking about this to parents. But this is the best one right here. Four verses. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today, God says. Repeat them again. What's those next two words? He says, repeat them again. Okay, do y'all know what the word repeat means? Okay, repeat them again. You know what the word again means? It means more than once. And then the word and, you know what the word and means? And the word after that is again. So you know, you already, we've already talked about that one, right? We're talking about the redundancy of redundancies here, unless it's done for a purpose. He says repeat again and again. And all of those are multiple words, right? It means do it, do it, and do it, do it, and do it. Repeat them again and again to your child. Make your child get sick of hearing you say the things that God has said. I think that's almost what he's saying right here, right? Talk about them when you're at home. And talk about them when you are at home. And when you're on the road. When you're going to bed. And when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, it's like, you ever been in somebody's house, one of these ladies' house, you think she's really weird because she's got all this scripture all over her house, hanging up on all the walls, you know, it's all on her coffee table and everything. And it's like, man, she's just weird. she got scripture everywhere. No, she's got scripture. She's got scripture for that. She's, she's, got, she's got recommendation. She's got direction. She's got encouragement. She's got a challenge from God to do everything she can to get the Scripture into her family's life. And so, so, so here, here's what's going on. When her kids are walking through the house, you know, they're looking up at the wall and they're seeing that Scripture on the wall. You know, or, or, or they, they see on a, on a coffee table or an end table, they see a scripture or a little plaque or something laying there that every, everything about their life is surrounded by that. So, so don't say, no they're, no, they're following God. They got scripture to do that. They got a scripture admonition from God to do that, to fill their lives. And we'll come back to that, and, and I'll show you another way that we do that here in just a few minutes, Okay. So how do we model? Okay, I got 10 things I'm going to tell you as quickly as I can, okay? I'm going to really hurry, best I can. This first time I might spend just a little time on because it sets up a lot of others. If you want to raise kids who know they belong to the body of Christ like we've been talking, then embrace your place in the body. Let me tell you what happens. And I'm not telling you this because I read it somewhere. I'm telling you this as a pastor of 20-something years. I'm telling you this as, as a dad of 30-something years. I'm telling you this as a granddad of 10 years. I'm telling you this as a former youth pastor who watched this. Okay, hear this. Kids who grow up, who are raised by parents, who have found and embraced and are comfortable with their place in the body of Christ, those kids naturally find their place in the body of Christ. They just do it. They just ease into it. Kids that, kids that have that model before them, it, it's like just naturally happens to them. And I know, you, you, I know some of you say, well, but even if their parents don't do it, even if they don't embrace their play, some kids still find it. Yes, some, some do. But you know what happens when their kids don't, uh, when these kids, their parents don't embrace that and they're not modeling uh, Finding and being a part of the body of Christ, you know what happens with those, for those kids to find it? They have to have an epiphany. 
They have to have a Damascus Road experience. Huh? You might not know what that means. Let me tell you what that means real quick. There's a, there was a guy named Saul in the book of Acts, and he was, he was persecuting Christians, and one day he was, headed, he was headed to Damascus to persecute some more Christians, and, and God knocked him off of his donkey, down on, the, down on his face, blinded him where he couldn't see, couldn't even hear anybody except God, and he said, who are you? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And so he had to have, that's what we call a Damascus Road experience. And you know what I'm talking, some of you know what I'm talking about because that's the way you came to know Jesus. You didn't come to know Jesus because you had parents who modeled it before you. You had to do all this other junk until finally, boom, God just knocked you off your horse, right? In some way. And you had to come to your senses. So what, that's a good way to do it if it doesn't happen. You know what? I don't want it to happen that way with my kids. I don't want it to happen that way with my grandkids. I want them to naturally find their place in the body of Christ, and they will only do that when it's modeled before them. So if you're going to help them, and let me throw this in just real quick, okay? Let me throw this in just real quick. Because you also need to watch what you say. Because let me, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is perfecting his body, and the reason he's perfecting it is because it's made up of a lot of imperfect bodies. It's made up of a lot of imperfect people. And if you're not careful, some of your attitude about some of those people will kind of come out. And, and, and if you don't know this yet, let me go ahead and tell you, okay? You young, young parents, let me just tell you, if you had not figured this out yet, your kids will hear you say stuff that never comes out of your mouth. You know what I mean? They will pick up on stuff that you never even thought you let out, but it came out some way. Your kids will see and hear stuff that, they, that you think never, gets out of you, never comes out of your mouth or never comes out, but in your attitude or your actions. Don't let that If you want them to embrace their place in the body of Christ, you have to embrace your place in the body of Christ, okay? Here's number two. If you want to raise obedient, law-abiding kids, then model it. If you want to raise kids who, who don't end up in jail a lot, if you want to raise kids, then you've got to do that too. And I mean everything, even don't cheat on your taxes if you want to raise kids who are obedient, law-abiding citizens. You know, and, and, and I know, listen, here's the thing, sometimes it's like, but sometimes it's hard, I really need to do this, and, and it's, going to be, you know, it's going to take me a lot longer, cost me a lot more, and, you know, and I could just do this and you know, not get permission, just get forgiveness later or whatever. You know? Those are the times that you get the opportunity to show your kids what it is like to be a law-abiding person. You know, it's not when it's easy that you get to teach these things. It's when it's tough and they watch you do the right thing even though it's going to cost you some time or some money to do the right thing. So if you want to raise uh, obedient, law-abiding kids, you've got to model it. Number three, if you want to raise uh, winners, then you need to model a never-dying faith. Here's, here's what I want. Let me see. I've got to say this real quick because I've got, got to hurry through these. But here, here it is. It's when your kids, they, when they learn and they get it that Jesus Christ is going to help them win at everything, that it doesn't matter what's hit me today, it doesn't matter what's happened against me, it doesn't matter how many people are fighting me, Jesus Christ is going to help me win. When, when they get that, then they, when they get that, They'll have a never-dying faith, and they will be a winner when they understand. And not that, not that I can figure it out, or not that, and listen, I, I, I joke a lot of times with my grandkids, you know, I'm pop, you know, I kind of, like, I can do anything kind of a thing, you know, I kind of want them to believe that to a little extent, right? But that's not what I want them to really grow up knowing. I want them to grow up knowing that Jesus Christ can do all things through them. He can do all, he can help them, whatever they're facing. I want them to know that through Jesus, they can win at everything, okay? All right, next one. If you want to raise well-adjusted young adults, model, listen. <laughs> Think, if you want to raise mature young adults, 
then you got to be mature, mom, dad. Okay, if you want to raise uh, well-adjusted young adults, you want to raise your kids to be well-adjusted by the time they become adults, then you've got to model that before them. You've got to value the important things. You've got to understand what's important, what isn't important. Value the important things. Don't be a complainer and a whiner. Show them how to get up and handle it anyway. To be well-adjusted and not whine and not point fingers. I, I, I don't have time to explain. Yesterday I was in the middle of three contractors. They were all pointing their fingers at each other. Trying to get, trying to get a little bit of concrete poured and three guys are pointing at each other. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. If you want to raise well-adjusted kids to grow up to be well-adjusted young adults, then stop complaining and start showing them how to deal with it anyway. Go on. i got to hurry, Tommy. Uh, if you want to raise grateful kids, then talk about your family's blessings all the time, constantly, over and over and over. Tell them. And, and if, you're, if you're not so, I guess if you're cool enough that you're, you're a Facebook or a social media friend with your kids, make sure that's what they're seeing in your social media, that they're not seeing a bunch of, a bunch of other whining, complaining stuff. They're seeing how grateful you are for what God has already done in your life. If you want them to be grateful, you've got to be grateful. Uh, next, if you want to raise uh, determined and resilient kids, model consistency in all things. Let me ask you this question. What are you teaching your kids is more important than connecting with the body of Christ? Ouch. Pull my toes in on that one, right? What are you teaching your kids, your grandkids, is more important than connecting with the body of Christ? If 2911 is your home, I'm talking about this one right here. If you're a visitor and you attend somewhere else, I'm talking about wherever you attend. What are we teaching our kids? You've got to model consistency. If you want them to be determined and resilient, to hang in there no matter what, you've got to show them how to do it. Not just when things are easy, but also when things are tough. Next one, if you want to raise uh, kids who fully rely on God, model life without addictions. Um, think, think about it this way. You know, if you say, I got to have, then, then you're saying, you know, I got to have a drink. I, if I'm going to get through this day, I got to have a drink. Uh, if I'm going to deal with this, I got to have a smoke. If I'm going to deal with this, I, I got to have some alone time. I got to have some of this. I got to have some of that. Gotta, when we say, listen, let me, let me say it may be a little, it might be a little comical to some of you, and it might lighten the mood here just a little bit in the middle of this one, okay? But if you've got an attitude, like you, you wake up in the morning and you say, well, I'm just not going to have a good attitude. I'm just not going to be myself until I have that first cup of coffee. <laughs> Sometimes I say, I've got to have a glass of tea. I've got to have some sweet tea. Sometimes I say that. I don't mean it, though. But if you mean it, if you mean it, I gotta have, I gotta have, then you're saying Jesus is not enough. Your kids need to grow up believing Jesus Christ is enough no matter what's hitting me. If, if, listen, we're supposed to be Christians here. If there's, a, if, if there's not a drink in 100 miles, if there's not a cigarette in 100 miles, if there aren't drugs in 100 miles, if there's not a friend in 100 miles, if, I can't, if, I, if, if my, my cell phone and social media is not within 100 miles, if my, my best friends and texting them is not within 100 miles of me today, it's okay because I've got Jesus and Jesus is everything that I need. If we want them to believe that, then we have to model life without addictions. Hurry, hurry the next one for me, Tommy. If you want to raise worshipers, fill your home and their lives with worship. Remember when we were talking about the things on the wall? 
fill their lives with worship. Uh, play, the, play, the, play the worship track. You, 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 need some, you need some suggestions? Talk to Jamie. Talk to a praise team member, worship team member. Ask them. They'll give you their set list or whatever that, that you can play it in your house. If you want to raise kids who worship Jesus, you've got to be a worshiper. You know, and I don't, ju- I don't just mean my kids or my grandkids. I mean every one of those kids over there. I mean every teenager sitting here. I want you to know. I want you to know. And when those kids get to come over to service with us, or you teens get to be here on a Sunday morning with us like this, I want you to look down here and know the pastor's got a connection with God. He's got a one-on-one going there. It's, he's not just going through Jamie. He's got a one-on-one going there. I want, to, I want you to know that because I want you to know you can have a one-on-one relationship with him too. It's not about connecting through a song. It's about connecting with him. We want to help you every bit we can, but you've got to have that too. And if you want to raise worshipers, you've got to model worship. Uh, I think this is number nine right here. We're getting close. If you want to raise kids who believe God's word, train them to expect to hear you speak of Jesus and his word. Here, here's what I'm saying here. If you want to raise kids who believe God's word, they should hear you use God's word. If you believe God's word, you will use God's word. You will pray God's word. You will speak of Jesus. If you believe that his word has power, you will use it during the day. Your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews should never be shocked to hear you use the word of God. They should expect it. They should expect, they should anticipate, okay, mom's about to turn this into a teaching moment. My kids got tired of teaching moments because everything was a teaching moment. But I think they're better for it today. All right, I think this is the last one, right? And we'll wrap up. If you want to raise praying kids, you got to make sure they hear you pray. They got to hear you pray. And listen, if you've been around here for very long, you've heard me tell this before, but bear with me because some have never heard this. I really feel like sharing it here. Some of you just need the reminder. But when our kids were small and we did those uh, little devotions, we we had this um, yellow hard, it was a hardback book, uh, 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 children's Bible stories. And uh, they loved it so much. And when Brent became a dad, he actually went online and bought one so that he would have it in his house too. And we'd read that. And uh, I remember telling our kids, it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We, we're going to pray. You don't have to pray out loud. We want you to pray. But just say amen when you're done so we'll know. We can count four amens and we'll know you're done and we're not sitting here 20 minutes thinking you're still praying, right? And so, so we would do that. And David and I would pray out loud and our kids would pray quietly. And, and when, so when we would do this, you know, the first, first few times we did this, their amens came pretty quick. David and I, we'd cut our ears off and say amen because that's not the only time of the day we were praying, you know. But you know what happened? As time went on, their amens got further and further into our prayers. Why? Because they heard mom and dad pray. They heard the words. They heard how. They learned how to do this. They learned how to pray. But And you know what? It didn't stop there. Just, I think it was, I think it was actually this week I was with with some of my grandkids and um, I said we need to pray over something and it was just me and grandkids no other adults I said we need to pray over something and and I meant let's all pray together but one of them spoke up and said I want to pray and I was almost like no we're all going to pray and I thought oh they just want to lead the prayer okay I'm good with that that meant I'd still pray because I had some things I definitely wanted to say over this situation. So I was still going to pray. 
but I prayed a lot quieter so that they could lead the prayer, but also so I could hear the prayer. I wanted to hear what was going on. And so they prayed. And when they were done praying, and they said amen, and then the rest of us said amen, kind of the same way we used to do when, I, when our kids were small. And when they said amen, I was like, where did that come from? I know exactly where it came from. Because they've heard their parents pray. And they've heard their grandparents pray. And they've heard their aunts and uncles pray. And their great-grandparents pray. And because they've heard prayer going on in kids' church, because they've been in places where they've heard people pray, and because a parent passed it on to a parent, a future parent who would become another future, who became their parent, and on and on for generations now, now my ki grandkids know how to pray. If you want to raise praying kids, you have to make sure they hear you pray. It's about modeling. And listen, all of, all of this is on that Connect page, the sermon notes, okay? So make sure you go back and get it. I know some of you are taking notes. And li listen, I love hearing amens, but I think I like seeing somebody take notes even more than hearing amens because I know it's something that you're not just agreeing with. Some saying, I, I, I got to do something with that. So I know some of you have done that, but I just want to make sure you know that it's there too, okay? Church2911.com slash connect. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.